0: Welcome back to pretend world's real people as always. My name is Tyler and We have a couple things to talk about before this next episode Goes in or this next interview goes through am I saying that right? Yeah next interview. I'm not gonna cut this We're just gonna (laughs) we're gonna keep it 100% real Uh, Which you could tell by the dorky voice. Why am I doing this anyway? There are changes that are being made to the channel that I want to just address really quick one being Theme music, which I think I addressed a couple of episodes ago, uh, that's changed a little bit. We're going into, you know, like a sitting down for a coffee shop kind of jazzy tune to introduce the show, but also transition into the interview. It just felt like it'd be, you know, we're closing in on 100 episodes, might as well try it out, see what happens. And number two, Steph has not been on the show for a couple of weeks, and, you know, she's working. A ton. She's taking care of some of her family. You know, she's traveling. She's really busy. So we're gonna have like a junket in the next couple of weeks where she just you know, essentially gives a a goodbye to the podcast for now. I uh, I think just the way this thing's growing, and the way our schedules are, it's just been easier. It's it, you know we don't want it to be a burden. You know, I don't want it to stress her out. So, uh, we both agreed. All right. Well, Tyler's gonna do the interviews and. You know, if something comes up that she wants to do or somebody she wants to talk to, we'll do it. We'll collaborate or, you know, collaborate in the live streams. But for right now, you're stuck with me. I'm so sorry. (laughs) But we're going to have a lot of fun. I just wanted to keep everybody updated. For those of you who've been following us for a while, there are changes that are occurring. And, you know, it's it's kind of weird because we started this podcast together. You know, she being theater and me being film. So that's been kind of interesting to to get used to but it's it's all for the better right change is good Uh, and who knows what we're going to do in the next couple of weeks so i just want to let everybody know that's what's going on now now with all that said let's get to why you're really here and that is for this week's interview this week i am talking to fellow native actor jessica Matten. while she is in paris which i i wouldn't spoil for all of you listening but it was just it, like halfway through the recording that's when I found it oh yeah I'm in Paris I'm like, what <laughs> so she's in Paris she gave us you know about 45 minutes of her time and it was a lot of fun just hearing her story hearing how she got into the industry how it wasn't you know something that she went into right away you know she worked in uh you know land development for 12 years and worked with high risk youth and families and she's done a lot of uh, different things to give back to the Native community and really sort of expose all of the the issues that are going on on the res and off the res, and especially in the arts industry. So uh, that was really, really interesting, just hearing you know what she's doing with that and you know what she's doing now. She's uh, actually going into, I think, post-production for a show that I auditioned for last fall. I'm glad it's still going through because I never heard anything. So I can't wait to watch the show. It's called Dark Winds, for those of you who may be tuning into it. It was based on a book, so look up at the book if you want to read that. But she's also been a star of Tribal, of Burden of Truth, of Frontier with Jason Momoa. And if you have seen it, she played Fiona in The Empty Man, which is one of the more bonkers films I've seen in the last, I don't know, five years or so. So without any further ado, let's get into this. Let's sit down and chat with Jessica Men.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, you know, the cool thing with our job is we don't know who's paying attention or even watching us. So so thank you for the acknowledgement as well. But um, yeah, I'm an Indigenous actress. I'm Naseen Cree, my family is Red River from Manitoba, and then I also got family up from Pegas First Nation there. So, holly to them. And um, yeah, I've I've been an actress for over a decade now, and um, now I'm very much moving into the producing realm of things. So, executive producing, and um, uh, I'm just I'm also I opened up one of the first uh, Indigenous film academies. Um, in partnership with Old Sun College and the Sixica Nation out of Alberta, so it's it's wonderful timing because I could share some information about that, but we we begin this April. And it's been in a lot of ways, twenty years of my life in planning um, that's led up to this moment, but also it's just been straight up, a lot of hard work with my entire team for the last year. Um, nothing glamorous about it, but hey, we did it in Syria.
0: That sounds like a lot. And you're still able to, you know, find work, send audition tapes in and focus on that part of your career while, you know, building so much. What was that always something you wanted to do, you know, after joining an industry is sort of find a way to give back or was it something you sort of found as you were experiencing, you know, working on sets and I I guess earlier what it was like to, you know, be indigenous and work in an industry that, you know, essentially had us I don't want to say set at a certain table but you know there's a small niche for for indigenous actors you know for the first 15 or so years of the the new millennium
1: yeah i i definitely never thought i was going to be an actor and i honestly thought i was always going to be a, a businesswoman. and so my background is actually funny enough in uh, marketing and advertising and really and, uh, and i worked at a land development company for 12 years so <laughs> So, so yeah, so this is the beauty of life, but um, uh, I, I, I take after both of my parents and my mother. She was one of the first First Nations models um, in Canada back in the 70s, and that was a big deal, you know? So, uh, and what she did is she knew that she wanted to um, help break the cycles of what other people were going through. Mm. So she knew that she was going to have kids one day and she didn't want us to have such a tough upbringing like what she experienced. So um, she started this modeling agency called Mystique Models. And it was uh, one of the first, if not the first um, native modeling agency in the world. And it was really about developing women's self-esteem and what kind of evolved naturally. So I've been, I've grown up around this my entire life. I don't know anything different. But I would be in workshops where we would just be in a room full of aunties and, you know, some were going through hard times, you know, there's domestic violence at home, you know, you're dealing a lot with people who are experiencing trauma still to this very day. So nothing was different than in the 80s. And um, so I, I don't know any different in terms of not helping our people in some shape or form. And I was just really inspired by What my mother was doing. And so when I was 15 years old, I started holding my own workshop for teenage girls my age. And it was called Positive Beauty. And really, what it was is me stealing magazines from like 7 Eleven and stuff and bringing them to my quote unquote workshop and getting teenage girls to vision board and cut out things from magazines of what they wanted to see their futures to be and what they thought their futures could be like. and yeah, so I've been active in the community my entire life before my acting days. And even when I was pursuing, like I got a science degree. Um, I went to, um, I worked at Saatchi Saatchi, uh, which is an advertising firm in England when I was 21. Yeah. I always brought things back home to my people. And um, I've worked at high-risk group homes. Um Downtown East Hastings in Vancouver, the Native Youth Association, and I would continue to have my workshops of fashion and film courses that was designed to inspire the youth, Um, and my heart has just always been with my people, and um, I feel like I've always been a bit of an outsider because I'm mixed blood, and so mixed blood, I've been bullied a lot growing up, but at the same time, it's given me um, an outside perspective, of how to heal our people and what we need to do that and the tools. Um, so living in both worlds, I always knew that first step is I, I want to be able to show people how their life could be better. And the only way to do that is I found you can't force a person to do anything, but I could inspire them by giving them the tools and it's up to them to decide if they want to, what they want to pick up and if they want to participate. But um, I don't. I'm rambling here, but the whole premises of everything I've done with these workshops has evolved to a point where my mother and I partnered up, and we formed a company called Lemon Creek, and um, that went on for a good 10 years, and it was a fitness and wellness program that also was designed to help people get into shape, um, uh, work on their health, um, and just. It, make them make them think outside of themselves of what could be so my entire journey and even in the film industry has been um kind of based around that that whole philosophy and to be honest um as you know being an actor yourself um when you're especially when you're starting off it's not easy whatsoever I don't think the journey is ever easy no matter what step you are in your career but um I find when you have a guiding purpose it makes it that much more easier to keep going.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that I think a lot of us are slowly realizing is yeah, you could focus on solely your your art and your performance and trying to get auditions but the second, you know, that river stops flowing, what what are you going to do? You know, that's I think that's when depression hits or that's when that sort of loss of purpose completely hits your soul and to a point where maybe you don't want to go outside even, uh, but having built so much, uh, you know, within your network, building all of these different companies and organizations, when did the thought of you know acting even become, uh, or I guess not even become, but sort of drive to it to your uh, forefront? How am I trying to say this? I didn't have coffee this morning, so I apologize. Yeah, I, I
1: literally. Um, yeah, it was the recession of 0908 that happened, and at the okay. time, I really thought I was going to work in like the editorial department of magazines. And so I had just freshly moved back to London, England, and I was moved. I my my goal was to move to New York City. When the recession happened, and I was like, "Oh shit, what am I going to do now? I can't do that. It's not a smart move." So I was I was like, "Okay, I'll move back to Vancouver, Canada, which has a heavy film industry in Canada." And I literally googled how to become an actor, and I said, "Why not? Let's try it out." And I was naive, and I, you know, obviously it was an industry that you, you see things on TV that are very stereotypical. And at the time, I was like, and and no disrespect to her, I, yeah, I don't know her, and what she's accomplished is amazing. But I was like, Lindsay Lohan was at her epitome of her partying days and I was like if Lindsay Lohan could do it with a party like that I could do it sure no problem <laughs> and then I learned really quickly it was not that easy as I thought and you know obviously that girl had talent to do what she's able to do and um I stuck it out I I I just I saw something I saw that there was a lack of um indigenous actors that were my age in the field and so and honestly I just saw a gap at the time and but with there being a gap in the market it still was not easy whatsoever i didn't book my first job until about like my first real serious acting job until about i would say three years in really so it was three years on. yeah so it was three wow. years on the grind and i was going up with big roles like lead supporting guest star and finally the same casting directors um bless them that they're, they're they're called clark and page out of vancouver they kept bringing me in and one day uh, I think it was Jen, she was like, I know you look, you're look. you starting to look defeated. I just want to let you know that um, it has nothing to do with your ability. We keep bringing you in because you have talent. But the feedback from the producers and directors is they just don't know what to do with your look. Mm-hmm. Um, um, meaning, at the time, and typically, so, um, there's no Native person that's the lead of the show. There's no um, girl next door that looks Native um they really just didn't know what to do with me and so they actually started sending out two auditions with a room full of black women because they really didn't know what to do with me yeah it was it was that rare um 12 years ago to have some native actors coming in and out of the audition room and so I naturally curly share and I was like because I didn't fit into the mold, and I was being seen in a room full of um black women all the time. I started laying my hair going naturally curly, thinking, "Oh, maybe I need some mold and and try to I don't know like should I try to be black?" I was so confused, as was casting um but the thing is is like i I went through it was the first time in my life actually that I really um was questioning my own identity. it was weird because you know growing up on a bunch of different reserves and in the city and you know that's that, that's a different kind of baggage of figuring out your identity but um <laughs> in the film industry they were like it, it's a weird thing for people to be like they they're like tell us who you are tell us who you are and I'm like I'm just me I'm just me and they're like it's not good enough tell us who you are who are you you know and, and it was like this weird thing um being young and. Um, uh naive in a lot of ways of the industry of of just trying to find where I fit it in, but I will say this, you know for any actor out there, you do the work you you know while you're getting rejected left and right, don't even see it that way, just keep studying your craft if you want to call it your craft um, um, and just you know watch movies and it is a stereotype and a lot of teachers will tell you this, but watch the little nuances and the subtleties. I think that's key with um, what your favorite actors are doing, and just find ways to mimic that and try it out in your next audition. Um, because there is no sense of it, it, there's no failure in this game. You just keep trying and trying. It's like a lottery machine, you know, at Las yeah. Vegas. You just keep trying to pull the thing, and eventually something will give. That's how I see it.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's happening to a lot of people right now, just out of nowhere. You know, those who are yeah. on the cusp of getting up or. Uh, <laughs> essentially going back into, you know, say the corporate world, they get that one audition and they're on a show or they're on a movie. And it's, uh, it's really interesting thinking back to, so those three years where you were auditioning, just trying it out, did you have a second thought of, ah, I just, I don't know, maybe this is just something to kind of goof around with, or was it uh, say like a five-year plan where you're going to try it for five years and. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Uh, you'll go do something else. So what, what was your your thought process during that? Because that's a lot to just, especially after going to school and you know working a uh, you know some company jobs. Going into the arts industry is incredibly tough, as you mentioned. So, what was your mindset for those three years?
1: I thought I was psychotic <laughs> be, be, because I, I came from, you know, cushy good paying office jobs yeah. with the salary to deciding to be an artist after <laughs> I just finished my degree, you know? So literally I went from going for lunch dinners at like the Woesley and the Ritz in London, England, to all of a sudden having no money, draining my bank account to pursue this crazy thing called acting. So, yeah, I felt psychotic. And trust me, those first three years, I was like, what the hell are you doing, Jeff? Like, I, it was, it was like a rude awakening of how difficult and how much courage it takes to decide to become an actor. Like, so I'm pretty sure you felt the same way. I felt, I felt nuts. I question it. It took me, I would usually hold down three jobs at the same time to be able to even afford find the time to go to an audition and how I made that time to audition is a miracle but this is what I mean yeah. you could do anything you want at one point I was working at H&M part-time um, and that was a very I would say I was working if, for anyone who's worked at H&M they would know what I'm talking about I worked in the accessories department which was kind of known as the hardest department because you're literally constantly picking little pieces of bracelets and stuff off the floor and customers are apple. They really are because they would just bump into you. I would look up and I would get someone crotch in my face. It was very demeaning. Um, it, so, uh, so props to people who work at H H&M. If they're ever dressed, you, trust me, it's for a reason because they take a lot of abuse from customers. So, I was doing that. I was working a graveyard job, working at a high risk home, um, working with native youth. So, literally dealing with heroin addicts. I had to learn how to administer methadone. To um, young teenage girls who are struggling, um, I'm getting knives to my throat at night, too. All this just for the sake of A, understanding constantly what my people are going through, but B, um, being able to support um, a living as an actor. So, yeah, so I I totally understand the grind. And my third job was I was building websites for companies on the side, too. So, I mean, the hustle is real. But if you want anything in life, this is what you got to do. And yeah. I, I think the key is you just got to constantly tell yourself, like I did, uh, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to not have to do this anymore. Mm. I can't wait to book that one job that's just going to like have a, a, a ripple effect and change the game for me. And you got to stick it out. That's key, just stick it out. But you can't be stupid either. And this is the thing too. And I, I'm I'm going to be blunt. I see a lot of actors who don't do the work and they think just taking a selfie and posting on social media is somehow going to make them famous instead of doing actual work. No, it doesn't work like that. And I see you posing in your auditions too when I help them tape. Um, yeah, I, I could tell who's going to make it and who's not because I could tell who's interested in just being famous and who's actually at, like interested in acting and truth-telling and truth-speaking and um, and you know uh, just playing a human being and having pure joy in doing that. So, um, so I think, I think my biggest and greatest advice for any actor who, who was me, you know, 10, 12 years ago is be real to yourself. Like be, be honest. Do you you really want this? How bad do you want it? Because even when you, you hit a, a, a benchmark in your career, you're going to be making a whole different, um, bag of sacrifices to keep. Chasing this career uh the sacrifices will never stop they just change
0: i think that's what a lot of people assume you know if you make it uh the the two percent that make millions every year on films and tv and have this brand everyone looks at it like "Oh, i want that life but they're they're away you know 360 days of the year and you know just having families hard and all that other all that other stuff that you have to sacrifice and uh I definitely needed to hear what you said, which was, you know, telling yourself, you you have to you have to do this to hopefully get to the next thing because you are one job away from, you know, maybe finding a regular uh, role or you know, uh, a film role. I will tell you, I, I work in the service industry, and I completely understand, you know the h and m part where you feel almost like a second class citizen more so than you would, you know, normally. Mm-hmm. so then you, clock off you go home and it's just like you need to shed all of that you know wash it away dive into a book you know listen to um uh, one of your idols talk about their acting process
1: <laughs> yeah. was that
0: your pupper or mine
1: oh, sorry. that was mine <laughs> <laughs> i can never tell when
0: i'm recording these things i think is that my dog is it nope nope we're good <laughs> but um uh, oh i i because squirrel brain what, what's your dog's name because now i have to ask.
1: Uh, whiskey. <laughs> whiskey. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Okay. It's
1: actually my friend's dog, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's yeah. amazing here. <laughs> Well, listeners, we have a cameo from Whiskey. Um, where was yeah,
1: I And here's the thing: we're yeah. talking about feeling like a second-class citizen, mm-hmm. doing these serving jobs when people treat you like shit. It's, um, it's, it's real. It's real. Oh. And and I also think the key, as you mentioned, about holding out for that next job, that next job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I say shift your perspective on that and don't even expect to book the next job, yeah. but really take every audition as an opportunity to explore. And so my key too was, um, it was weird because I wasn't, I wasn't excited to get my audition. I was also, I, I would beat myself up and be like, oh, here we go again, like almost expecting rejection. Um and instead, I find when I really changed my mindset about that, I was like, oh, this is just another opportunity to explore and like become a better actor and um, delve into just like my emotionalities of what on earth is going on. In the scene." I just took it mm-hmm. as a learning opportunity and I really let go. And that is honestly when I started to see um, a different response. So I went from. Um, I was getting callbacks, but I would never. Be on hold. I would never be the one that was, you know, first, first choice. And all of a sudden, I was on hold. I was second choice, first choice, whatever. But it changed, and that's when I actually started to um, book. And they were they were willing to also because I still, when I started booking jobs, being indigenous wasn't cool and trendy awoke woke yet. It wasn't. Yeah. We still had a lot of long ways to go. But um, you, I became just get so good that they don't smell any desperation on you to even book this thing. Get so good that they don't care what you look like at that point. You just got a whole essence and vibe to you that they want. And that's all it is after a while. Of course, obviously you got to suit the essence of the character that the writer, um, is trying to portray, you know, you got, you got to fit that and all that stuff. But, um, You'd be surprised. People are willing to change characters. I've gone out for so many roles that was designed for a man and they decided like, oh, no, just to play this role. I've been up for men for the same role on so many different shows. I can't tell you. Yeah. So I mean, <sighs> be open that also the audition process and the script you have is constantly a, a work in progress. Meaning if you do book that job, there's a high chance that that scene is going to change um if not the dialogue um depending on the locations when you're actually on set you know it it might not work out like the scene the blocking is going to change um you may have to shoot it completely somewhere different you know so it's a work in progress so if you know that um then that gives you some um it puts you at ease knowing that the audition itself really is a work in progress it's going to change. It's not going to be the final product when you actually shoot that thing. So if that relieves any pressure that you as an actor put on yourself when you're doing a read, understand it really is a read. You know, uh, definitely give it your best. Definitely memorize your stuff. I know there's a lot of things like in the past of like, oh, American actors hold their sides and don't fully memorize and look down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, especially now with COVID and everyone doing a self-tape, it's, still in your best interest to memorize, the off book as much as you can. hundred percent. You're going to do something. My biggest philosophy is go all the way. Like you might as well. And experiment, have fun. It could be more room once you're off book to actually experiment as well too. So yeah. I'm rambling, but you know, no. I feel like these are things in interviews that no one talks about is the actual grind of the process itself. So I just wanted to give that to you because, you know, I hope it works. These are things that no one taught me. I just had to learn on my own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I've appreciated the craft because I've been doing it for about 10 years as well. And I just, you know, I was behind the camera before. So now I'm, you know, thrust into this whole new realm that I had no idea or any understanding of besides watching movies. And yeah, you're, you're right. Because a few years ago I decided to tell myself, you know, Hey, you're putting too much pressure on booking the job. And that's not, that's not the important part. You know, I think I kind of lost my way of, of appreciating what the scene is and how an audition can really free you as a performer so from like 2019 onwards I just started to love auditions and you know yeah I booked a few more but for me it's you know it it just feels a little more natural to dive into the audition memorize everything live in that scene and it even came down to you know being put on hold for a show that I, I didn't get last year which is completely fine but I had so much fun with the audition you know I'm I'm eating a a, a burrito with Cheetos that actually made for the audition. And I'm, you know, on this, this, this really fun scene. And ultimately I didn't get the role, but it was so much fun. And that's uh, another thing is, you know, creating your own work too. If you're not booking and you still want to have that feeling of preparing and memorizing and, and performing, I started a little thing on social media called you caught me monologuing and on my Instagram, it's just me, you know, five minutes before trying to memorize a one minute monologue and then performing that, uh, you know, to the camera, like it was a self tape. And it's taught me so much about just recognizing the moment. So I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I I don't look at booking a job as the winning part. I see the audition. I go, this is going to be a lot of fun. You know, (laughs) it's just, it's, it's so rewarding to have that experience. And I'm glad that that's something that, um, you know, you said you're rambling. I don't think you're rambling at all. You just, it's like all that information, all that experience, all that wisdom just comes out like, no, no guys, this is what you got to do. And it's fantastic. More people have to hear it because now, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are hearing influencers are getting representation now and influencers are, are becoming actors. And that's all from them posting selfies and all this other stuff. And I completely disagree with it. And and,
1: Hey, I'm going to be honest from someone who has been pressured to do that TikToking stuff and I I just won't. <laughs>
0: yeah, no. But you know
1: what? <laughs> but you know what? I hate to say it, but from I've I've worked with some quote unquote influencers and they can't act. So mm-hmm. it actually I get it though. It's a money game. So producers yeah. want to see you know a return on their investment. I get it, you know? I I am a producer. I want to see a return on my investment. So, you know, you you there's a lot of pressure to make sure that you do that. So, I, I get it. But if we're talking about acting itself, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say too much, but bless, you know, (laughs) it's, um, it's, 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 it's an interesting time right now with about, um, your return on your investment or do you want to see some really good acting? I don't know. And I, Hey, 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 I'm not saying I'm the best actor out there either. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying, you know, it's, um, but Hey, I'm not, I'm not the TikTok, all that stuff too. If you are an actor and that's going to help increase visibility for your brand and what you do, then, Oh my God, do it, do yeah. it. You know, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm older, right. So I'm of a different age that doesn't want to do that either. <laughs> so it's different. Um, but yeah, all this being said, um, what you said about creating things outside of acting itself, do i mean even your podcast here is a great thing you have to be doing these things but i will say this the greatest advice i got from any acting coach um was live your life live your life travel take that trip because um the people you meet in the world when you go out when you go to another city another country and you're 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 it's like data collecting you're taking in all this beautiful new information that to me is what's going to make you a better actor that's what's going to make you a better human being that's what's going to make you present because you're living life and you're being present in the moment and that is a key component to what I see of good acting how do you be present and um you know stepping away from your phone and sitting across from the person you're having coffee with you know like that that is living life so I would say especially the beauty of what we do now you can you 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 could bring your ring light from Amazon and you could take your audition anywhere in the world so there's you know we got COVID and the restrictions I get it but um if you can make time to travel and explore this world or even decide to just get out of the house today, go for a walk, go sit at that cafe, and make it your goal to talk to a stranger. That's what's gonna fill your life. That's what's gonna fill your soul. Um, not waiting around for the biggest mistake to make is waiting around for an audition. Even at my level, I do not freaking wait for any audition, and it kind of drives my quick crazy because they're like, "Where in the world is Carmen San Diego now?" They don't know. <laughs> but but you know what? When I when I do that audition. They're happy I am out in the world and and all that stuff because it feeds the performance. Um, it it just makes you a deeper soul. And um, you know, casting directors, producers, directors, human beings, we could feel when someone is bullshitting and when someone isn't. When someone is very present. So I would just say keep that in mind. You know, be present in your own life. Don't wait around.
0: I love that. I I don't think a lot of people are are doing that even this day and age, which they, I mean, the whole theory of unplugging is, uh, is very real. And it's my favorite question to ask is, you know, what helps you sort of cleanse, uh, you know, the workday, whether it's from a producer's perspective or an acting perspective, is there something you like to do, you know, and it could include travel that does help you sort of shed all that away and just focus on, on your present.
1: The, the actually my biggest form of therapy since I was young is, uh, running. So, really? I yeah, yeah. So, I run. Um, I usually run about five to six times a week, and I'll just i I hey, I'm not I'm no marathon runner, so I'll do it on a treadmill. <laughs> I was gonna but ask will you, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I'm producing a film about a marathon runner, but um, uh, so I have to up my game, but um, no, just on a treadmill. You know what? You start off at 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but it clears my mind, it's my form of meditation. And I don't really think of anything when I'm running. And that is key. I'm in this neutral zone. And and then I go back and sometimes like inspirational ideas come up, but I don't put the pressure on myself to, to have, expect lightning to strike while I'm on the treadmill. But that is my form of um, therapy, I guess. just keeping things even still in my own mind. But that's for my life, right? And um, And also connecting with friends. I love friends. They're, they're such a staple in my life. Um, they're very important. Human connection is extremely important. Um, even, you know, it took a lot of people during COVID to realize that, but I always knew it. Um, you, you could live, life will always have these moments where you feel very lonely. That is a human condition. That's never going to change. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, what level of your career, your life you are. Um, if you're with loved ones all the time or not, it's just like a feeling, condition here and there, and um, but this is why connection is so important. Um, it's just you just you just don't want to do this entire journey alone. Is what I'm saying, I guess. So yeah. those are the things I do: connect with human beings and run.
0: <laughs> Which, out of context, seem completely separate. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? I I love my alone time. So that's why. Yeah. I find as much as you you could love to connect with people, you need to reset. Um, you need to be good with being alone, hmm. um, not too alone. But if if you're the kind of person that's codependent on others, you need to get comfortable with being alone. It's just the same balance, right? Everything's about balance in life.
0: And was that something uh, you know, touching on this idea of of being alone? Was that something you sort of grew up uh, honing in, or is it something maybe you you learned as you you know? grew older you know have you always been kind of you know somebody who's comfortable being alone or is that something that uh you know it's Like, oh well I guess I'll I'll learn from this for a little bit at 22.
1: I think I've always kind of been okay with it I've always mm-hmm. been a real free spirit but I definitely will say I've come into it more as I've gotten older. there's just like one beautiful thing of aging is confidence and yeah. self-discovery if you're willing to do it Hey, I know people older than me that have not done the work in God, so They need to be someone. Um, you know, but like, um, if, if you are interested in self-healing and uh, just being a better person every day, um, you will find that, that that goes hand in hand with self-love and being okay being alone. Like I travel the, the world alone all the time. Also like acting itself. Um, there is, once you book a series regular, You'll see you're spending a lot of time alone um studying and usually you know this is the the fifth show I or not for the show fifth show, but it's up there i've I've learned five different native languages for shows, and I can't be out partying to learn those languages you know it takes me hours and hours and hours being alone studying it's a grind it's like it's like memorizing an exam and studying for an exam for a college Mm -hmm. something in college you know so um that's the other thing it's like I think that people assume the glamorous part is and yes, these glamorous moments I mean I get to travel the world I get to go to these fun events here and there and meet very interesting people but the heart of it is hours and hours studying alone and having the discipline and focus to do that so you know by the time I get on set I'm prepared and Boom bang, you shoot it out, not wasting any one time and move on.
0: Which I'm sure the whole crew is incredibly thankful for.
1: <laughs> oh, I love the crew. Yeah. But I keep a lot of friends.
0: <laughs> uh do you have an anchor? Uh, say you're you're shooting, you know, in a different country or you are, you know, alone studying. Do you have uh, you know, it could be a a, a person, like a friend, family member or somebody that sort of anchors you back to okay, I'm fine. Do you have any anxiety about being alone, studying that and then feeling as if you're completely disconnecting from everybody else in your life or is it just, you know, two different shades that you're meshing together?
1: I have an anchor for sure. I have like, I would say three real close friends in my life. Mm -hmm. And even though I haven't lived or been in the same city as them, sometimes some of them in a decade, we're anchors for each other, and so it's for me. It's not so much about the studying and work that I get anxiety about. It's, it just becomes it's just like again the human experience of being human. Um, so in my personal life, I find they're the ones who who are my anchors. Um, I find I'm the kind of person where I could adapt anywhere in the world. Um, literally, I just find my my spot and I'm good. You know, you, if I got if I got coffee and a, a little desk i'm good anywhere in the world literally i'm that comfortable being alone and traveling and, um i just i i got complete faith in that i'll i'll make the kind of group of friends that i'm meant to meet and even not then i just respect that as my time to to be cool being alone too yeah.
0: wow that's i just think it's really cool uh the idea of you know going say you're in paris and you go to a coffee shop but you're by yourself and where you're i am now Oh, are you in Paris?
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs>
0: oh my god, what time is it there now? I now I, I'll feel bad if it's super late. No,
1: no, no. I I, I said so, so, I've been doing most of my work around this time, anyways. Um, I think it's like what seven PM or something. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. So but I literally too, too did that. I just had coffee with my good girlfriend, and that's why I'm at our house right now doing this interview. Oh in my god. Yeah, but see, this is the joy of life. Yeah, she's going like this. She's raising the roof. <laughs> But That'd see, I met cool. her through living life. And um, that's what I mean. You never know who you're going to encounter. Hmm. And if you if you just get over your own anxieties and fears, and it's so true, but use your fear as a guiding compass for what you should do. Because it's forcing you to step out of your comfort zone. Otherwise, you think about it. What What's, what's really going to hurt you? You can always go back to doing the same routine you do every single day. And you know what? And um, you take the risk. And I get it. Like, I even get... I, I travel so much every year and I still get anxiety like having to pack up my life and pack up my suitcase again and going another flight. Like, you're always going to have that a bit. That's never going to change. But again, it's always about life is about stepping out of your comfort zone, hmm. pushing past what you do every day because well, we're habitual creatures of habit, right? So, we yeah. got to constantly break our own internal programs. That's what I think, or at least try.
0: No, I completely agree. If you are complacent and content in your life, you need to switch things up. <laughs> it's just, totally. it's it just just even if it's a little bit, it it counts. But I do. I want to go back. Um, you know, you said you you were um, you know, developing. You had you had created Lemon Cree. and then uh, I had read before that you also created a an organization called Native Girls. Uh, are you still a part of that, or uh, what what's going on with that? If you can tell your listeners uh, what that is as well, <laughs> it's probably better coming yeah. out.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for researching that. So Native Girls was actually at the beginning of Instagram and hashtags and all that. I I started a little mini viral campaign um, that was uh, designed just to create awareness for all the missing and murdered indigenous women across Mm -hmm. North America. And, you know, I have a family member who is is a victim um, and there still is zero justice for her death. Um, And you know, my, my mother worked closely with the, the, the person who started the initial inquiries into missing a murder indigenous woman over 20 years ago, named Bev Jacobs. Uh, She has a Ted talk actually. So you could look her up Beverly Jacobs on Ted talk. And, you know, this ties in again to, to my purpose of constantly trying to help uplift my people in the communities. Um, so it was just a little thing that I created, but it, it, it stopped and it what did evolve is um holding like safety workshops for young girls with my program. So again about having confidence and then physically getting themselves out of um tricky situations, you know, so physically wow. if they were being raped, how do they break out of that? And so we got forms of like jujitsu and martial arts combined with that to, to help them. So like they're they're practical workshops, you know, and being a woman traveling the world alone. You know, I just I just speak from the heart and some personal experience about like, um, you know, just just how to hold yourself up in life, and uh, that, I think that's key. So that's yeah, that's what Native Girls is about. And you know, to this day, I get asked a lot to promote social causes. Um, my biggest thing is I I don't believe in diluting what my goal is, and that mm. is con- consistently uh, work within ha- helping to resolve the missing and murdered indigenous, um, situation. Um, so I, that's why I'm very particular about what I support. Of course I support everything, but I, I also find that if you, especially social media and marketing, the whole game, like you want to be careful not to dilute your message and, um, um, just stick with an issue. So it doesn't die out. Cause, um, you know, you know how it is. There's like a trendy yeah. new hashtag on something every single month right? And then it falls off the face of the earth. And then I always wonder, like, what really gets resolved within a month of hashtagging about something? In my opinion, it takes a long time, right? So, so, so that's why I stay on that. And, um, it's evolved now. So that ties into the Indigenous Film Academy that uh, I've created with my co-founder, Julian Black Antelope, who's another wonderful Native actor. Um, and, uh, Together, we are creating a, a stunt combat school um, where we have scene study classes, but it's also related to wellness and mental wellness programs. And again, that's about getting to the core issues of healing our people. So the ripple effect is if you heal, if you heal our people that are struggling right now, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, then um, I feel like that is part of the solution of resolving a lot of the murdered and missing indigenous cases that we see you know because now we're working on like people within our community as you know there's a lot of the crap in the bucket mentality where one person exceeds and no one actually is really happy for them Uh, or even like you know it's just we we got a lot of work to do within our communities too and understandably so and I'm I'm the first person to be very sympathetic and empathetic to all the reasons why that is but um yeah, here's my ramble again, but there's so many micro macro factors that have resulted into why our people are constantly being mistreated, um, even within our own communities that have to heal. So the Indigenous Academy is directly tied into helping our people to heal.
0: That's incredible. I, I didn't know that much about the Indigenous Film Academy, and especially approaching it from a, uh, a mental health awareness perspective. Which, you know, the general public can barely grasp onto. But you know, if totally. you were in such a uh, an isolated community, that's very important. So like thank you so much for bringing that up, you know, for our listeners to to look into. And I think you know, I, I everyone says I bring it up constantly, but you know, when River brought up uh, nationally, I hope you know, the idea of you know other people who can campaign to help out, you know, with these crimes against indigenous women that I you know am always crossing fingers and hoping continues to develop you know that we can you know as a hopefully as the world unites which I hope we're getting to a closer point. I feel like every time I say that something else happens. But uh you know the idea of Putin. <laughs> yeah, yeah just like, oh cool. A pandemic subsiding we're all uniting. What the fuck? You know it's just it's yeah. it's crazy. But um no, I thank you so much for bringing that up because I think that's an incredibly important component, and element to bring into you know the the res and you know to, to people who who just know nothing about that. You know, if you can address uh, you know certain um, issues or um, ailments that occur within the mind, you can recognize you know certain patterns. and Then you know, I'm I'm hoping as a community we can sort of evolve from that. You know, it's the, just, the,
1: the mainstream public is very unaware that we have third world living conditions within yeah. Canada and the United States. We have 11-year-olds committing suicide on a weekly basis in a lot of communities. There's a fentanyl crisis. There's a meth crisis. Um, there's no clean drinking water in Native reserves that are like three hours outside of Toronto, Canada. Like it is insane. There's and our government is fully aware and not doing anything about it. Like yeah. there is still very much in a lot of ways uh genocide happening. And even even if you don't want to look at it from that perspective, this is the result of genocide. The genocide that has, you know, already happened to our people. This is intergenerational trauma at large. Yeah. And um COVID has unfortunately just made things a lot worse and it hasn't gotten better. So I find what i could do besides just hashtagging about it or making a post about it is actually trying to constantly do the groundwork um and it's it's a hard one to tackle and you know my heart goes out to all those that we never hear about all the heroes that do the groundwork way more than me every single day you know the nurses the doctors firefighters lawyers um you know lawyers fighting for treaty rights um mothers fathers, aunts, uncles, all the people, brothers, sisters, all those trying to keep each other uplifted during these times. I mean, you guys are the real heroes, you know, so it's a collective, like we need to work on this together, but I just admire and respect people who actually do the groundwork. It's powerful. It's powerful.
0: And it's, you know, it's one thing to, you know, as somebody in the industry say, you're going to help, but it's a whole other thing using your brand to recognize those people and and shed a spotlight on them. You know, I feel like some uh, people who are, you know, quote, unquote, celebrities or in the uh, the uh, echelons of the industry, the higher echelons. They say, oh, you know, they, they share a post, just like you said, right? But you are, you're, you're doing so much to try and help as much as you can. And I think that's like the, the biggest thing, you know, most of us can appreciate right now is that you are, you're doing the work and you're recognizing those people and you are, you know, uh getting the proper people together to you know make a huge difference so from somebody who you know is so far removed from that and is still an outsider like thank you so much for you know recognizing that that is still a massive issue that no one is really you know finding a solution for or um granting reparations needless to say it's just I don't know. It's such a hard subject to bring up and not go off on a complete tangent for about an hour because it's, totally. it's so disheartening. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it,
1: right? yeah, it it's, is. yeah.
0: And it's hidden in the news. Like, There's, there's never anything. It totally know?
1: is. Yeah. yeah. But, but thank you for that. And, and, you know, I, I find also, there's a lot of people that do want to help that they need guidance too. And they're so unaware that it's even happening. So yeah. I find Again, I don't want to diss people just making a post because I mean, hey, if they got far reach, then maybe that post really does it still shares um, awakening yeah. someone to what, yeah, yeah, to what's happening in the world. But again, I think you're just you're just talking to someone who prefers to do like the hands-on work, which isn't by all means glamorous. But I mean, I it's again, it's 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 purpose for me. I think so, and it, it it's like I said, a very it, the film industry. Um, it's strategic in nature that i'm hyper aware that any acknowledgement i get is because of the film industry and that's why i stay in it because it just helps me to connect with the people that i need help from too to help my people um it helps me to get the resources i need to help my people you know with yeah. um it's just it's what it is You know, and, but it's, it's nice. And for for those who just want to act, I mean, you don't, you don't need it with deep, grandiose purpose like I've decided to. (laughs) No, no. We're not trying to say that. No, yeah. I don't, I don't want anyone to feel bad for just wanting to freaking act and live in that. I mean, it's beautiful, you know, and and my biggest thing is just like constantly when when you're chasing your dreams, stay grounded, be kind to others, don't treat the crew like cats. The the crew like castors, like my don't treat the cast like shit. I mean, don't treat the crew like shit. Don't think you're better than the crew. Understand that it's really, it it takes a whole village to make these things and that you are just a puzzle piece in it. And that would be my biggest thing. I've seen some, not very often, but once in a while, you see actors coming in and thinking they're hot shit and treating crew like just trash. It's so unacceptable. Like, just don't. Because, and also, you're very disposable. No one has time for that kind of behavior these days. So like if producers catch it, trust me, they'll just be like goodbye, namaste. <laughs> so this is not in your it's not in your best interest to be an asshole at all. Yeah. And like how about that?
0: <laughs> you uh it's like you you read my mind because uh towards the end of the episode we always ask, you know, a few other questions. One of them is, Do you have any advice you could give people? <laughs> so it's don't be an asshole. Yeah, That's <laughs> my advice. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> completely true. And you know what? So many people have commented on that in the last 20 episodes. So I feel like that was something that is slowly shifting. You know, producers are recognizing, oh, this this person's a prick. They're out. You know, it just it it seems like it's becoming a recognizable um, element of casting to show the actor that we can replace you and we will. So you know, the
1: reality is producing a show is stressful enough. Yeah, there are yeah. so many moving parts. The last thing you want is, you know, a big cog in the wheel. It's that simple. Um, It it really takes a whole village to make these things. And there's always going to be a little drama, a little stress. So anything you could do to minimize that, it, it usually involves just being kind, being prepared, do your job, get out of there. So everyone else could also do their job and get out of there in one piece
0: that's it. Yeah. It's like everybody else has families too. They want to get home.
1: <laughs> totally. Totally.
0: Uh, I there there's, it's really hard to segue this because we, we did get a little serious with, you know, the, the, uh, concerns on the res and acknowledging that, which I'm glad we did because not a whole lot of people talk about that. So I'm glad that's out there. Uh, but there's no easy way to segue into one of our last questions, which is, <laughs> do you have a party story? throughout, you know, something from your career, whether it's, uh, I don't know, something really uh, bad that's also kind of funny or something that was just so weird and outlandish, you will never forget it. It doesn't have to be career-based. It could be absolutely anything in your life, but do you have a story that you would tell at a party, uh, hence the party story.
1: Oh, that's, that's it. I feel like I have so many, but they're so it <laughs> are and they'll probably get me in trouble. So I can't tell you. You can one.
0: redact <laughs> names. Yeah. We're not, we're not asking for like, you know, social security <laughs> numbers so and everyone's name. Yeah. Just, just, and, and you could say, you know, this person or something. Yeah. You don't have to, to say anyone's names if you want to, if you want to oh, vent a little bit. A
1: good party story. I feel like there's, I'd have to think about that, but I feel like you've come to the right person for those kind of stories. <laughs> I you <laughs> to find myself in trouble because I say yes to just meeting everyone all the time. Um, I guess I would say it's not so much a party story, but, uh, you know, last time I was in Paris, um, I come back and forth here as often as I can, but I was at, uh, a, a, a well-known venue. And I was sitting with a well-known person and who's a friend. And the next day, I was with my other group of friends. And they are like, oh, Jeff, you'll never guess who we saw yesterday. This this star and he was with this chick. Oh, I think they're on a date. And she kind of looks like you. And I was like, where was it? and they named the place and I was like you fools that was me <laughs> and no we were not no we were not on a date we we're just friends and they they had drank so much that I, I literally was sitting right behind them but they didn't even recognize me what? so yeah so I was, I was like <laughs> but it shows you how small the world is too i was like you guys are like wrecked behind me you didn't even know it's me because you could have joined the table yeah. and just hung out with us so so I would say that's that's probably like the the only kind of bizarre story I think of that, that recently happened,
0: <laughs> which is, I mean, you're, I'm sorry, just the fact that your friends didn't recognize you even multiple drinks in is astounding to me.
1: <laughs> I know, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I um, it, it it sucks to say it, but uh, I'm I'm running short on time. However, I do want yeah, to thank me too, you for so this
1: is perfect. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, this has been. Amazing. There's just uh, one other thing I have to do before we go, which is uh, do our awkward goodbye. But before, I just want to thank our listeners for uh, tuning in. Uh, Please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, if you want to be a part of the show, whether you're somebody who works in the arts industry or wants to get into the arts industry, we'd love to talk to you. So please email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you right away. And uh, Miss Jessica, so uh, the awkward goodbye is just what I'm doing now, being very awkward. Uh this is essentially a silent Wayne's World countdown where I will count, then I'll point to you and you give us your best awkward verbal goodbye. Is that something that sounds like you'd want to do?
1: Sure. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> All right.
1: And
0: three, two, one.
1: Au revoir.